All right, let's uh, begin with uh, our first sermon, Zechariah Speaks. Uh, the sermon text can be found on the back of your bulletin, Luke 1, 5 through 25. Luke 1, 5 through 25. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the father to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in these days, when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. The word of the Lord. My name is Zachariah. I'm a priest. Now you may be saying to yourself, he doesn't look like an old priest. He looks like that pastor. Well, he's loaned me his body. But I told him to take the day off because he's been working very hard. He needs rest. He needs a raise. <laughs> Besides, how would you know what I looked like? I lived 2,000 years ago. Why am I here, you may ask? Well, you've read my story in the Bible. But can one's life be summed up in just one chapter? I'm here to tell you what God has done in my life. 
You see, once I was a spectator just like you. But God made me a participant in his story. Perhaps he wants to do the same with you. And so I'm going to tell you about my story. But first you must learn about me. I am a priest, as my father was a priest, and his father was a priest before him. You see, we're all descendants of Aaron, and God gave the priesthood to Aaron to minister alongside Moses, that Aaron would be the one and his children to burn sacrifices on behalf of the people, to represent the people to God. And so though I am a priest, most of my time during the year is spent away from the temple. I'm ministering to people much like your pastor does. But once a year for two weeks, my division goes to the temple to minister at the temple. I am a priest, but I am not just a priest. I am also a man. I am married to a beautiful woman named Elizabeth, my Rose of Sharon. She too is a descendant of Aaron, a priest married to a daughter of a priest, a match made in heaven. But what of our family? You see, we have no children. It was a shame for us to have no children. Back then, people thought that if you had no children, that somehow, somewhere you had done something wrong. There was an ache in Elizabeth's in my heart as we watched the friends have children, our friends have children, and for their children to grow up and to become priests. It hurt Elizabeth the most, you see. She felt like she had failed, that she had done something wrong. And now we are old and the house was quiet. It is a difficult thing, my friends, when dreams die. Perhaps you have felt also the questions of trying to understand the will and ways of God. As to Elizabeth and I, the Bible says that we were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly. I cannot contradict the Bible, but I do know this, that we loved God and we wanted to serve Him and to minister to His people. But we were living in a land that had lost hope. And to tell you the truth, we had lost hope as well. Our land, Israel, was occupied by the Romans with Herod installed as king. And their weight was heavy upon our shoulders. And God had not spoken to us for over 400 years, not since the great, um, the great prophet Malachi. And it was Malachi who said, See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and awesome day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Malachi gave us a prophecy that the Messiah would come and that he would make everything right, that he would come to his temple and that one would come before the Messiah who would prepare the way of the Lord, one in the spirit of Elijah, to prepare the people's hearts. And then there was silence. For 400 years, no word from God, no presence in the temple that we could see or feel. It felt as though he had forgotten us. 
And the truth of the matter was we had forgotten him. Well, it was our turn to minister at the temple. Our group of the division of Abijah, and there were tens of thousands of us to come to burn sacrifices, to take thank and free will offerings, and also to burn incense in the holy place. It was the greatest opportunity, the greatest privilege of a priest who was not the high priest to burn incense at the table. God had communicated that there was a special formula that was supposed to be created. And that twice a day, a priest would come and light the incense and pray for the, for the people. And that the prayers were supposed to go up like incense, to go up to God, and because of the sweetness of the incense, to be received. But as you can see, because my division was only on duty two weeks a year, and it was only twice a day that incense was offered. There would only be 14 people a year. And so many, many of us would never have that opportunity. And so the time came to be chosen by Lot who would burn the incense. And by God's graciousness, it fell to me. I had been a priest for decades, but it was to be my one turn to represent the people before God. And so I took the incense and I walked in the holy place. My eyes were amazed at all of the gold and the beauty of the temple of the Lord. And there was the altar for the bread and there was the lampstand and the bronze sea. And there was the altar right in front of the curtain where the cherubim were to burn the incense. And as I lit the incense, and the smoke began to head up to God, I prayed. I prayed for my people, for the help in the midst of this darkness that we experienced, for the Savior to come. And as the smoke rose, an angel appeared on the right side of the altar. He was mighty and glorious and beautiful and powerful and dreadful at the same time. And I was struck as a dead man to see something as holy and beautiful. But the angel said to me, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. He will be great before the Lord and he will turn many of the children of the Israel of the Lord to the Lord their God. And he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. I was speechless. For the angel said, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Why did God hear my prayer? We had been ministering at the altar for 400 years. I did the math. Over 300,000 priests had offered a prayer for the people of Israel. The truth, my friends, was this. When I was praying to God, I did not expect an answer. I forgot that God is faithful and that He always keeps His promises. But God said even more that your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you 
I could not believe the words, my friends. I had given up hope and Elizabeth with me that we would ever have a child. I was not praying for a son. I was praying for my nation. And yet it would appear that God was answering two prayers in one. To bring the Messiah and to bring one before the Messiah and He would be my son. The voice of one calling in the desert. And many of the people of Israel He would bring back to the Lord their God. And suddenly the Lord would come to think my son would be the one to lead the way for the Messiah. And I wondered why now? Why me? The reality is that God, what God promises, He always fulfills. His plans never fail. His ways we cannot know, for they are higher than ours. But God decided to come then and decided to speak to me. And so, even though I was not listening, God spoke loud enough that I could hear. Perhaps you are like me. We're not so different, even though we're from different ages. We were waiting for the Messiah to come. And Jesus has come. But He says that He is coming again. And so you wait as well, do you not? And Christmas comes again and again. And you have been waiting a long time. It's easy to be caught up in the ritual, whether burning incense or putting up a Christmas tree. The busyness of Christmas can take over. And more and more it comes to ritual. And so do I wait expectantly or do I forget? You see, God wanted to move me from being a spectator to a participant. I think God wants to do the same with you. For is not Jesus Christ alive? Is not the tomb empty? If you are a Christian, do you not have the Holy Spirit? God still has much more to say to you, my friends. Jesus is alive. And at the proper time, He will come again. Maybe even this Christmas. Well, I wish I could say that this was my finest hour. That I heard and believed God's promise and I responded with faith. After all, I'm the great Zechariah, who's lived a life devoted to the study of Torah and the prophets. But I failed miserably, much to my shame. I said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. How shall I know this, I said to the angel. In other words, give me a sign to show me that this is true. Did I not know the command that you shall not put the Lord to the test? And yet I had the boldness and unbelief to say back to the messenger of the Lord, prove it. Why did I ask this? I am an old man. And my wife is old. And we are incapable of having children. As if God could not do what He wanted. 
What was the real reason that I doubted the promise of God? I've had much time to think about it. I think it's simply this. That I believed that the promises of God were true. Just not true for me. God was saying that Elizabeth and I would have a son. And not only any son, but a son who would be the greatest prophets of all prophets. Greater than Elijah and Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jeremiah. The one who would come before the Lord. You need to understand what that means to me. A priest who has studied all the prophets that my son would be the greatest prophet of all. A Nazarite, even from birth, filled with the Holy Spirit spirit in Elizabeth's womb. And in my heart of hearts, I ask, what did I do to deserve this gift? For my study of the law, my understanding was that righteousness was based on my own efforts. And I knew that I had fallen far, far short of such an honor that I did not deserve this great gift from God. I should have listened to the angel when the angel said that you shall call this child John. For the name John means God is gracious. What the angel was saying We thought that the Messiah was coming to destroy our enemies and set Israel aright. But the main reason the Messiah was coming was to show His love for you and me. To show His grace and favor to people who did not deserve it. I did not realize that God's love was not bound up in my merit and effort, but rather in His character. See, this is the gospel, my friends. The law is all about me and my accomplishments and my efforts. But the gospel is all about Him. The graciousness of God. The gift of God in Jesus Christ. It was not because of me, Zechariah, that God came to bring this wonderful gift of a son who would be the greatest prophet. But simply because He loved me. Because he wanted to show his graciousness and kindness to me, a man who did not deserve it. And it was too much for an old man. I couldn't believe it. I wouldn't believe it. And so I doubted. Well, what about you? I know God loves the world. The real question is, does he love me? I'm not the only one in this congregation to experience heartache and pain and suffering. I know I don't deserve God's love. And each one of us, if we examine our hearts, know that we fall far short of the glory of God. You live in a world like I lived in, that you only get what you deserve, and that love, if given at all, is conditional. But God is gracious, and the gospel tells a different story. That Jesus did not come for everyone else. He came for you. God wants us to believe, 
not just observe. Will you believe the graciousness of God? Or will you refuse like I did? Well, my friends, God gave me a painful gift. The gift of silence. I am Gabriel, said the angel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you. Can you imagine an angel sent from God himself to speak to me, Zachariah, and to bring you this good news? And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. God took my speech. He also took my hearing. And I was plunged into silence. Why did he do this? Because I did not believe. God knew that there was much I needed to let go of so that I could embrace the graciousness of God my fear, my doubt, my training that said that the righteousness that I had was due to my efforts. I needed a season of quiet to think about this gift. I think that's why there are presents given under your tree and you have to wait and think about them before you open them. I had so much to say. I went out to the temple to my other priests and to Elizabeth. And yet I was quiet. I could not speak. I had to ponder the greatness and beauty of the gift of God in Jesus Christ. That's really what Advent is all about. You Americans are very busy with Christmas. Decorations and buying presents always doing Christmas, rarely thinking of Christ. What you need is more silence. If I, a priest of the Lord, needed it, do you not as well? And it's in the silence that I saw wonders. A bump began to form in Elizabeth's body as day after day the proof became more and more evident that what God promises always comes true. There is a time for silence and there is a time for rejoicing. And it was nine months later when we heard the cry of the child and when it became time for his circumcision and they asked what his name was to be it was then when God gave me a voice to speak the truth. God is gracious. His name is John. And after contemplating and after silence, I was able to open my mouth and to speak and to praise God of the gift that He gave me. Yes, my friends, there is a time for silence and a time for rejoicing. I pray that you too would take this Advent season to meditate, to pray, and to think about the wonder of God, 
that God wants you not only to be a spectator in what He's doing, but to be a participant. That God wants you not only to observe the Christmas story, but to believe it. So be silent and ponder. For Jesus Christ did not come for everyone else. He came for you. God is gracious. And God has sent me, Zechariah, to let you know that His promises always come true, that He never fails, that God is gracious, and Jesus Christ proves it. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that in the fullness of time, You sent Your Son born under man, born of a woman, to redeem all of those who are held in slavery, captive to sin. We thank you for the reality that the gospel is about the graciousness of you who gave us Jesus Christ, that though we were sinners, you demonstrated your love for us and that Christ died for us. God, let us move from being a spectator to a participant in the story. For you still speak today. Let us not simply observe, but believe the promises of God. Let us ponder and be silent during this season. For you are coming again, and your promise will surely come true.